This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Grace abounded much more. And these are the times we live in. You know, we look at what's going on in our country, what's going on in the world. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You know, sin and evil in this world cannot outdo grace. Never, ever outdo God's grace. It's unlimited. It is God's grace. People sin more and more. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Even though there's a lot of wickedness running rampant in our world, that doesn't give us a free pass to sin against God just because He has overflowing grace and patience. He calls us to go and sin no more. No sin is too great for God's beautiful grace to cover, and in today's message, Pastor Eddie will walk us through a true understanding of God's grace in our lives. There is no sin that God is unwilling to forgive and cleanse us of if we humbly repent. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his study in Romans. We don't even understand the definition of love. This world has destroyed the definition of love. We don't understand what love is. We don't. I can't understand the love of God when I look at the cross and why he would die for me. I don't understand why. To this day, 2,000 years, there are Christians who believe in that and have their lives have changed. There is hope. There's no emptiness in their lives because they experience the love of Christ in the cross. I would never understand it. Never, ever will. Because all the love we see is distorted. It's unsatisfying. It's disappointing. It betrays us. But the love of God never will. It's unconditional. Whenever you wonder as to how much God loves you, look at the cross. Verse 9. He says, much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. So the benefit of being justified by faith is this, that we've been saved from the wrath through him, through his son, Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because it is the wrath that it is sin that deserved the wrath of God. And we've been saved from that wrath. When we share a testimony, oh, I've been saved. Saved from what? Many Christians don't even understand the definition or the theology behind it. Saved from what? Saved from going to hell? To go to heaven? No. Saved from Satan and his demons? No. Saved from your enemies in the world? No. We are saved from the wrath of God. Why? Because I deserve the wrath of God. But his son, Jesus Christ, took my place. That is what being saved is all about. Being saved is someone to ask you, what do you mean by being saved? Saved from what? I mean saved by the wrath of God. For the wages of sin is death. 
And it's the wrath of God. It is the judgment upon those who rejects him and because of sin. Now listen, the wrath of God is far, far greater than the, even the thought of going to hell or going to hell. Going to hell is not greater than the wrath of God. We had demons. Remember when Jesus was there, he went to the other side of Galilee and he came across demons and says, are you here to torture us before time? They were afraid. He said, please, just, you know, you know cast us out from this individual. We'll go into these pigs. They were afraid. They knew their time will be up one day. But they feared Jesus Christ. They feared the wrath of God. As a matter of fact, we will not ever understand grace until we understand the wrath of God. We're saved by grace, unmerited favor. We don't deserve to be saved. We've sinned against God. But it's God's grace. So we're not saved from hell. We're not saved from, you know, saying his name. We're saved from the wrath of God. And it's not God's desire, not God's desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That tells, uh, Peter tells us, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God forbid that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. But God's not going to force anyone to love him either. Many of you have been in a matrimony. You've been married. Some of you... You know, you got over your honeymoon and that's it. You know, you, you don't love each other. I hope you do. <laughs> the romance is not there anymore. But when you first fell in love, were you forced to marry that person? No. Nope. It was a mutual agreement. You loved each other. You all goo-goo eyes and, oh, I love you. You love you. You love you too. And you married. Nobody forced you to marry anyone. Not here in the West, at least in America, <laughs> you know. But you marry someone because you love them. God wants that relationship back. You know he loves you because he died on the cross. But now do you love him in return? He's not going to force us. He's given us what? A free will. He's not going to force us to love him. We are saved from the wrath of God because of Jesus Christ. And that's a blessing in itself. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. He said, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. It wasn't his plan. We're not appointed to God's wrath because we have been what? Justified by faith. That's the blessing. Verse 10. For if we were enemies, we reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The word reconciled means united in fellowship with God. In verse 1 of chapter 5, Paul mentioned that we have peace with God. You know, before, before the cross, we're enemies with God. Now we have peace with God, but also we reconcile with him. So enemies could be at battle, war each other, and they may cease to have peace, but they could still not be friends. Here we reconcile with God. In other words, it means that we were brought back into fellowship with God. Brought back. Wait a minute, that means we have fellowship with God? There in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, God's plan was to dwell with man forever. But because the fall of sin has separated us with God. Sin. And so we, we have peace with God, we reconcile with God. Not only that, we have reconciled with God, we have confidence that Christ saved us from the wrath of God, but we also, in verse 11 says, 
And not only that, I love Paul. He just keeps piling on. Not only that, that's what he said in verse 3. Not only that, but wait, there's more. It's like one of those commercials. But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So the benefit, blessing, number eight, we rejoice, we rejoice, we rejoice in God through our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's because of the work of the cross. We could reconcile with God. And because we could reconcile with God, what a peace. We could rejoice. I'm not an enemy with God anymore. I surrender my life to him. I reconciled with him. I could rejoice. What an awesome flow of blessings just by being justified by faith, simply by believing, right? That's what we learned. That's the doctrine of justification by faith. Simply by believing. You're saved not because of what you do. You're saved not because of works, rules, religion, commandments. You're saved simply by believing. And it's not just a believing again. You know, James tells us, you believe? That's great. Even the demons believe and they tremble. So what's the difference between that believing? It's how you live your life and how you surrender your life. Right now, Wherever you are, whatever problems you're going through, whatever trials you're going through, we can truly rejoice in God. You can rejoice that he is God. He never changes. You can rejoice in that. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You can rejoice that he has provided a way through his son, Jesus Christ, which we are saved. You can rejoice that we have peace with God and we have access, unlimited access to God. You can rejoice You can rejoice that you were saved. Saved from what? From the wrath of God. You can rejoice that you will be internally in heaven with him. All these blessings are yours. Not for a price. All for simply believing. Justification by faith. So these blessings and these benefits. Justification by faith. We have them all, right? We have all eight of these blessings Paul has been through. He has given us all these blessings. Apart from the law, apart from works, it's not what you do. You you don't have these blessings because you go to church every Sunday. You don't have these blessings because you pray five hours a day or read three chapters every hour. No, you're saved because of believing in God, just purely by grace. Now that we have all these blessings, we still have one more problem. We have one more problem. What are all these blessings? What good are all these blessings? We have the issue of death. We have that problem, death. How are we going to solve that? We have peace with God, access with God. We rejoice in hope. We glory in tribulations, God's love. But the question we have, what about the issue of death? And what Paul does is he addresses the subject next about everlasting life. Everlasting life? Yes, there's a part of you that will live forever. And you know it's not your body because I can tell you, I look at the mirror, I'm not going to live forever. You know is your spirit, your soul will live forever. And where it goes is important. But where it goes all depending on how you live your life now. So we still have the problem of death. And what he does here, Paul, the remaining of the chapter, he's going to illustrate the contrast between two people. Adam, the first man, and Jesus Christ. Adam, the first man, and Jesus Christ. And it's important to note the repetition of the word one or one man. One or one man is mentioned about 11 times in these last couple of verses here. Also, it's going to prove that Adam is not allegory. He's not a fairy tale, but he is a real person. 
Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, just as the one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. All sin. It came in through who? One man, Adam. Remember when the Lord, in the Garden of Eden, the Lord told Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, the Lord said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All the trees, Adam had unlimited time to go there. You didn't have to wait every month. Now you think, why would God allow the tree there, right? This is a thought. I think like that too. Why would God put a tree there if you don't want us to eat it? How would God know if Adam truly loves God? Where would be the challenge? That tree of knowledge of good and evil is to prove is for Adam to prove to God that he's obedient to God and he loves God. And God gave him all the garden but except that one tree. And what Adam has done, he has taken that tree. He said, Lord, I don't need you anymore. We walked in the cool of the day and we would fellowship, but now I want to know what's right or wrong. I want to know in my way. Isn't that the way we live today? I don't want God's knowledge. I want to go to a tree where I get all this wisdom and knowledge. I don't want you know, your way, God. I want my way. I want man's way. Lord told him not to eat of that tree. And he said, if you take of that tree, they said, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord was talking about a spiritual death. We were once weak, remember? Spiritual death. And so Adam took of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. He died spiritually. Yes, the result is a physical death. But the main thing that we should be concerned of is a spiritual death. We're so blinded about the physical we're so blinded about, yeah, let's eat healthy, yeah. You know, I know a lot of people eat healthy, and guess what? They're going six feet under just like everyone else. But it's a spiritual death that the Lord is speaking of right here. Thus, because Adam died spiritually, we all inherit this from Adam. We all die spiritually. So we inherit spiritual life. We, we can't get spiritual life because Adam, Adam sinned, that was taken away. We now inherited death because Adam does not have spiritual life. He can't offer spiritual life. All Adam could pass to us and what he has passed to us is a physical body and death. Now, there are those who would say, wait a minute, it's not fair. It's not fair. You always get one, right? You know, you only ask these questions because of lack of understanding and knowledge. I understand. I ask the same question. How come I have to die because of what Adam did? Why I have to die? It's not fear that God would condemn the whole world for one man's sin. The truth of the matter is this, and take this home and think about it and meditate and chew it. The truth of the matter is, is that we, if we were all individually tested under the same circumstance, each and every one of us would fail. Or if I was Adam, I would never take it up that tree. No, you wouldn't. You probably would have made a fruit salad out of all the trees, including that tree. Whereas they think we could do better than someone else. And we look at all oh, Adam blew it. Man, if I was just there in the garden, man, you know, we all would have failed. You know, Adam didn't have no example of what is bad. None. He was without sin. He was innocent. He was pure. He was the first man. It proves that we all would have been, if we were individually tested, we all would have failed. 
Verse 13, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now, wait a minute, it makes you think. Yes, before the law, people have sin, but it was, uh, it was not counted as sin because there was no law. It was imputed by whom? One man, Adam. That's how we get, it was by one man. It wasn't based on the law. Okay, I have the laws to tell me that I've sinned, but no, we sin naturally. It's just, we're born with it, right? We're born with sin. We're born with sin. People say, how can people be born with sin? That's the come we don't baptize a baby. When a baby gets to be one or two years old, who did that? Junior, did you do that? The only kid in the room. I didn't do that. How did he learn how to lie? <laughs> you know, how did they learn how to do things destructive? They're very creative when it comes to destructive. I know that. You know, we are born with sin and we do, we, we act. It says, verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgressions of Adam. So from Adam all the way to Moses, before the law, death reigned. They all still died before the law, as it says here, even over those who had not sinned. Even good people. They all sinned. They all died. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of transgression of Adam, who is a type of him, that is, Jesus, who is to come. Adam is a type of Christ. And for the following reasons, both Adam and Jesus were without sin. Adam started without sin. At first, he didn't have, he had not sinned before he took of the fruit, Right? Before the woman came into his life and he blamed it on Eve. Lord, the woman you gave me. (laughs) Christ never sinned. And they both were innocent without sin. Both lives, the life of Adam and Jesus affected every man. Adam's sin brought death to every man. But here's the amazing thing. The death of Jesus Christ brought life to every man. But the free gift is not like the offense For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus abounded to many. One man, Adam, brought death to many. One man, Jesus Christ, brought the gift of grace to many, eternal life. And verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. So Adam's sin led us all to condemnation. Remember, we went through the first part of this, the book of Romans. Adam's sin led us to all condemnation. But God's free gift through his son, Jesus Christ, is not condemnation, it's justification. One man, all sin and death, Adam. One man, death brought us sin and justification. Read the next Verses 17 to 19. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many would be made righteous. So the original sin 
was disobedience came through Adam. Disobedience, he rebelled. It was Adam's sin of disobedience that we all inherit. How many of us can say we're so obedient? None of us. We're disobedient one way or another throughout our lives. And what did that do? It causes death. The wages of sin is what? Death. But it was Christ's obedience through the Father that caused his death on the cross that we now have, and that's eternal life. It's eternal life. Jesus said to the Father, remember when Jesus, just hours before he would be crucified, Jesus knew of this time. He says, Father, there's any other way. Is there any other way that man could be saved, that man could stand before you righteous, that man could have eternal life? Is there any way other than me going to the cross? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's because Christ's obedience to the Father, his faithfulness to the Father. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but I love this verse, but where sin abounded, Grace abounded much more. And these are the times we live in. You know, we look at what's going on in that country, what's going on in the world. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You know, sin and evil in this world cannot outdo grace. Never, ever outdo God's grace. It's unlimited. It is God's grace. People sin more and more. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Now, we're going to get to an area in Scripture later on in a couple of chapters. You know, we say, Paul's going to say, well, we have this grace. Do we take advantage of it as Christians? That means we have a license to sin against God. Oh, that's serious stuff. Wait till we get there. You know, oh, yeah, God's going, God's going to forgive me. God's going to forgive me. Verse 21, so that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin reigned in death through Adam. Grace reigned in eternal life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. He says, for as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That is why we need to be born again. That term we use, born again. Why? Because if you're born once, you'll die twice. <laughs> How many people want to die twice? But if you're born twice, you die once. You're born once, you will die twice. If you're born naturally out of your mother's womb, you're born once, you will die twice. Physical death and eternal damnation. But if you're born physically out of the rib of Adam, through your mother's womb, and if you're born spiritually through the rib of Christ when he was on the cross, you're born again. You only die once, and that's a physical death because your soul will have eternal life with Christ. A beautiful thing. One man, we have condemnation. We have death. And through another, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.